What's up, Charleston? This is the Healthy Charleston Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Eve Gigi, where we talk all things health-related. We're going to talk about all sorts of health information, as well as, hopefully, clear up all sorts of terrible health misinformation. What's up, Charleston? This is the Healthy Charleston Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Eve Gigi and Dr. Wes Hendricks, who is at a class and cannot join us today, but I'm going to try to, um, you know, do all sorts of funny stuff that he does. We'll see if, if it'll work. We, we miss him very much. Um, we're going to talk about all things health-related. We're going to talk about all sorts of information as well as all sorts of terrible misinformation. So um, we know there's a lot of that. So um, my uh, guest today is, I thought about it today, is like, is my coach. You're kind of like my coach, which is really cool to think about. I've never, you know, thought about that in that light. So um, Robert's definitely my fitness coach. Um, He is the owner of CrossFit Discovery. He's got two um, successful gyms on Daniel Island and downtown, been running them for years. He's got quite a story and a history, and I hope we can get into some of the fun stuff. We'll get into health stuff too, for sure, but hopefully we can make a little bit of a balance between um, everything. So welcome. Hey, I'm I'm glad to be here, Eve. It's going to be fun, man. All right. So um, I'm going to start it off. This is how Wes and I have started off too. Like, So where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? (laughs) You know, I know that you're from what, Nebraska? I'm from Nebraska. Nebraska. Okay. So like, I have no idea what it's like to grow up in Nebraska. I picture cornfields and flatlands and you just, you know, tilling and, you know, carrying (laughs) oxen from right, right side of the field to the left side of the field. But like, you just give us a general idea, like, you know, and this can be in the health and fitness kind of realm, but like, you know, what started it all? What's your, what was your childhood like? Oh yeah. No, thanks for asking that. Well, first of all, um, most people from Nebraska probably agree with me in saying, if you're not from Nebraska, I, I'm a little bit sorry for you. <laughs> so <laughs> I can't wait to hear why that it, is. It is an, it's an awesome place to be from. It's an awesome place to grow up. I'm from way out in the West. So my, um, my family came from Holland, you know, in the seven, late 1600s. Were, came to New York. They were in New York for for a long time, um, and then when there was you know free land on offer during the homestead days, they came out to Nebraska in the mid 1800s. And so, um, so my, you know, my dad's family and grandfathers on my dad's side have been out there for a long time, and and uh, you know raising cattle and doing all that kind of kind of stuff in the West. Well, the West is much less flat. There are some cornfields, lots of uh, lots of dryland wheat fields. Um, Western Nebraska is also known for sugar beet farming. Um, and if you know me very well, you know that I I pretty much hate sugar and I think it's poison. <laughs> but uh, but I love all my friends that are out there still growing sugar beets. Sugar beets is like something that you make actual like granulated sugar from. Like Absolutely, sugar yeah. And and there would be no real sugar beet industry unless we had a giant demand for sugar, A, and B, had an embargo on Cuba, you know, over most of the last 50 years, because sugar beets are not as efficient way to make sugar as sugar cane. cane. And they're not like red beets, not like the beets you get. No, like, no, no, no. They're the big. Salad. They are, they're like bowling ball sized and they, um, and they're really not that sweet. Like if you took a little bite of a little piece of sugar beet, um, it's, it's like a watery sweetness. Mm-hmm. And so um, Western Nebraska is famous for most little towns have their own sugar beet factory. So the town I'm from, Scotts Bluff, there's a, there's a sugar beet factory, a, a sugar factory and where they, where they're boiling down the beets to get to the sugar, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, is quite a process, but it's a, it's a, you know, big industry where I'm from. Um, also there's a lot of cattle. So we, you know, we raise cattle. My family's been raising Hereford bulls on my, my, a few cousins of mine are still in that family business and have been doing that for years. So if you ever need breeding stock, you should, um, you should go to the, the Van Newkirk Hereford sale. They, they raise pulled Hereford bulls and, um, 
and they can hook you up with some great breeding stock every year. How many like acres were you on as a child? Like what, how many acres was your own that you could kind of play with or work on or whatever? Right. So that, so, so my, my uncle and my dad were the first people in our family to go to college. My dad was a, is a physician. He was an eye surgeon. Um, and, and now he's, he's retired as a surgeon. He's back to being kind of a, you know, a gentleman farmer. But, um, but we, we had a farmland that was mostly leased out and we had a bunch of ranch land that was mostly leased out in Nebraska. You don't measure land by acres. You measure land by sections. So a section is 640 acres, um, also known as a square mile. So one square mile. And at one point, you know, the, the ranch and the, all the farmland we had was probably 15 sections or something like that. Um, which would be a huge farm in, in South Carolina, but it's much drier. So, you know, everything's more spread out. Interesting. So uh, well, we can probably talk honestly about what Nebraska is like forever, but yeah, let's try to stand. I would like- love to talk about Nebraska all day. <laughs> Another podcast <laughs> just on Nebraska. So did you do a lot of manual labor type of work there? Like, do you feel like that started maybe some of like your influence on like fitness or like being healthy or whatever, like doing some stuff like that on the farm? So I was pretty lazy, um, but I had to work. I can't picture that. Um, okay. Yeah, I was, I was not, I've, I've developed discipline. I didn't have great discipline when I was younger. Although when you, I'll tell you one thing that I think the adversity, you know, in the world we live in, you almost have to manufacture your own adversity. In, at least, at least here, we're in this little bubble of Daniel Island and, you know, there is real adversity in the world. Don't get me wrong. But I, as a child of a very privileged childhood, um, you know, didn't have a ton of true like life and death diver- um, adversity. You're not running from saber tooth tigers on a daily basis. No, no, but not even worried about food or water. But I, but I will say like there was, you know, I remember I, one of the jobs I had was I would have to go check the water tanks out on the ranch. And so, um, you know, these water tanks are fed by wind, literally windmills that have a, you know, have a metal, um, a basically rod that's going up and down, driven by the windmill that goes down literally 1500 feet. The water is really deep. There's an aquifer, yeah. right? And um, so my job was to go around, make sure that all the windmills are working and all the water tanks for the cattle were full. And so, you know, cause if, if the cattle don't have water for a few days, they die and that's, that's a lot of money, right? That's bad, right? Bad news. And so <laughs> there was one time when when um, I'm out checking checking the wind, you know, checking the windmills, checking the cattle tanks, and one of the cattle tanks, the windmill had broken, and the cattle tank was almost dry. There's just a few inches of water in the bottom, and and all this mud. And if you've ever been in Nebraska, you would know that mud attracts wasps like crazy. Okay. Right. And I got stung multiple times by wasps. It just so happens I'm allergic to wasps. Um, and so you found that out that day. No, I already knew. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but, but you know, that was, that very well could have been the, you know, the end of the story, but when you're, you know, no cell phones, no radios, no nothing miles away from everybody and everything miles, yeah, miles. Okay, sure. And, you know, you're going to find a way to, you know, stab yourself with the EpiPen and, find a way to get home. You had an EpiPen with you. I did. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and you just, you know, you, there's nobody there to help you. There's no, you know, there's no, um, fairy godmother is going to come out of the woodwork and help you. So, and you fix the water. Well, yeah, I had to come back for that. So we had to move the cattle. Then, then we can go into the whole story of how you pull the well, you, you pull the mechanism of the well up section by section by section. And it with a, you know, and it takes forever. Yeah. Um, but those are the kinds kinds of jobs people do. They still do in Nebraska, in the western part of the state, and it's it's gorgeous. It's hilly, and there's sand hills, and and you know it's just it's a beautiful, beautiful place. But it's a pretty harsh place. And you feel like that adversity kind of made you who you are today, like being able to go through some of that. Or I pretty much had to just screw up uh, multiple times in multiple areas of my life, and you know put myself behind the eight ball before I discovered that, you know, maybe having discipline was a better approach. Okay. So, yeah. So I, I have every, pretty much every problem that I've had has been entirely my own fault. 
Um, but at least you learn from it, right? You're not just continuing to repeat the same mistakes. You're like, I've repeated this mistake multiple times. I realize it's not yeah. getting anywhere. Let me change course and do something else. I would love to say that that's true, that I don't repeat mistakes, but I think, you know, time will tell on that one. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you've gotten where you are today by doing something correctly. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And just um, obviously being a CrossFit coach, like um, really cool to hear about your childhood. What started the, cross, <laughs> what started the CrossFit thing? And I, I know just personally, because I know you, like you used to be kind of a long distance runner. You know, you also did a little bit of football too. So there's got to be some sort of like, evolution that happened be like man crossfit seems to be like i like that kool-aid i'm gonna drink and i'm gonna sell that kool-aid like crazy so for sure so so i mean it was again it was it was in a lot of ways it was a happy accident so my background in sports was um you know i played i played high school sports many high school sports um and and that was you know i had some great role models some great coaches growing up my my high school strength and condition coach who has passed away um, was a guy named Dean Paulzer, and he was he was just a super awesome guy. And so when I think of being a strength and conditioning coach, I think about him and trying to you know trying to emulate the kind of influence he's had on all the kids in Scott's Bluff. What's a what's kind of like a cool story that kind of shows what kind of person that he was to his oh, students? You, you know? know, he was always he was always super um, he was always super encouraging, but super firm. You know, I mean, like I was, you know, I was a pretty decent athlete, but like I was kind of a knucklehead. And so he would always, he was always encouraging, but he never, he never let me think I was like too good, you know, which yeah, yeah. I think was to his credit. And he never, um, you, you never would have known this if you just knew him or talked to him, but he was a stud. He was, he was a, a really, really good football player, really good baseball player. He both played two sports in college mm -hmm. and is like, you know, in the like Shadron state hall of fame, um, super strong guy. He was, he was, you know, in his forties and fit and lifting with us as long as I can remember in high school. And, um, was he putting up bigger numbers than you guys? Oh, are you kidding? Yeah. Yeah. Just showing even. everybody up. <laughs> yeah. Not ne No, he, he never, he never, um, he worked out with, with some of the other coaches. Yeah. Um, and so he, he didn't, he didn't ever do it to show us up. Gotcha. Just kind of like, this but is what I can do, him. but not, yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. going to flaunt it or whatever. Yeah. But he would be in there working, you know, when we were wrapping up Yeah, and just always led by example. Yeah. And that's something that both of I, both of us kind of like continue to do for ourselves as well as for all the athletes that we kind of encounter is like, man, if we can't lead by example, you know, I feel like there's not as many people as we would like doing that, especially in the healthcare field, in the fitness field, probably a little bit better in some regards, but definitely in the healthcare field that's lacking. So that, and that helped that actually, thanks for bringing that up is the, his example, I will say this is probably his, the biggest thing that he did that, that I think I, I try to emulate and kind of is, is the way that his, his teams and his kids and his students' success really excited him. Mm -hmm. I mean, like he would get so fired up when we did something great. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was like, he, he really, as a, and as a coach, I think that's really important is you, you derive your um, satisfaction from the success of your students or your clients or your athletes. Do you think it's almost a pre, for me, it's almost a prerequisite. If I hire somebody, I feel like they need to be kind of the PT or the kind of coach where literally let's not say live and die, but probably as close as you can to like yeah. the successes and failures of your clients, whatever that is. Cause that's how I feel like somebody cancels on me or somebody doesn't get better. I take that shit personally. <laughs> you know what I mean? It'll put me in a bad mood. I'm really right. like, I get like, I freak out. You know what I mean? And like, it hasn't gotten any easier in 12 years. And I hope to never lose that, you know, and that's part of the reason I won't digress too much of why I went to the cash based PT world yeah. because I saw so many PTs who just didn't have that anymore. They were so burnt out. They yeah. could have cared less. They just were in there, get a paycheck. How many people get it? They were so jaded, you know what I mean? And so like burnt out in the whole process. And I never wanted to be that way. And that's part of, you know, the really cool part that, you know, you were a big part of getting yeah. the opportunity to do this in the first place. You know, and I talked about that story last time, but um, yeah, no, for <laughs> sure. I mean, I think that's, that's gotta make a good coach. You know what I mean? Like that's- It's probably the, that little piece of emotional intelligence is probably the most important thing. I mean, our, our coaches, I'm very selective in who who we hire at CrossFit Discovery. 
but it's if you don't have that interest in helping people and that's your 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 biggest motivator then then it's not going to work yeah. it doesn't matter how much technical knowledge you have it doesn't matter none of it matters it doesn't right. matter how great of an athlete you were are or want to be yeah the yeah. culture fit is huge, right? Hiring yeah. people based off of culture, not based off of skill set is something that a lot of business owners don't do. And I think really um, could learn from like, just like Dane, I, did, I didn't hire him because he had an amazing skill set. I could have probably found somebody with a different set of skills. I'm not going to say better because Dane's amazing, but sure. it was a culture fit. It was like, man, this guy loves to work out like I do. He's so motivated to get all of his people better. He yeah. cares nothing more than like seeing people succeed. Bam, I'm going to hire you. I'm going to find a job for you right now. I think that, and I think that that investment in, in the success of the people that come through your door, um, is, is key to just, to just being able to stay in it. You know, like we're almost into our 10th year as a CrossFit gym. That's awesome. um, That's pretty rare, right? Like going 10 years, like staying a lot, like, I feel like, I don't know what statistics are. Well, there's a few, you know, there's kind of that first wave. I don't, I don't know how many um, first wave owners are still like active in their business. But mm-hmm. I went, I was really, I was, I, I can say this with confidence that I was the first, you know, full time, didn't keep a day job. Yeah. CrossFit gym owner in Charleston. Yeah. Um, and was just coaching all day, every day. And I still, I don't coach all day, every day anymore. I still coach some, but I still get the same excitement this morning. I was coaching early, you know, the five and the six and 7.00 AM. Oh, that sounds terrible. More, um, more power to you. Well, I only do it one day a week. But I've got this. So just, just a quick story. I had this guy who's been training with me for several years and he's really tall. He was a really good basketball player and he squatted so perfectly this morning. Um, and I got that same, that same, yeah, this is awesome feeling. It was, it's so exciting. Yeah. Never gets old. Some people get it with a golf stroke. Some people get it with like a, a free throw or a three point shot or a free kick. <laughs> Robert gets it when he sees the most beautiful squat. Yeah, angels sing to me. Exactly, when I was about to say that. <laughs> yeah, uh, just, yeah, angels. Uh, just um, that's definitely one of the uh, Van Newkirk quotes that everybody in the gym loves so well. <laughs> one of many, you know, one of many that I've stolen. I've stolen quite a few of them. There, they're good stuff. Okay, so um, high school coach, strength and conditioning, huge influence. So where where does the running piece come in. I've, I've never dug into this. So oh, first, yeah. I'm really curious, you know, I can't picture you as a long distance runner. I've seen like one picture. I'm like, who is that guy? You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, skinny, pretty weak and pretty sick a lot. Um, so when my kids were little, so I played, you know, played some club sports, played some contact sports. I'd gotten into some combat sports and, you know, some club rugby and some water polo over the years various places you live. And, um, and when, when we were living in LA, we're back in LA when my, when my, um, middle daughter was just a baby. And I just, I mean, you can't, you can't do a lot, but you can go out the door and run. Yeah. And so I had seen, you know, I'd seen the, the LA marathon go by. They used to, it used to run through Hollywood. It doesn't run through Hollywood anymore, but we were living up in, in the Hills in Hollywood and we would go down for two years, we would go down, we'd watch the elite runners and then watch the people go by. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do that next year. Um, and then it was in 2000, I guess it was 2000 that um, a friend of mine was like, okay, we're going to finally do it this year. And so we started running, training to run and just beating the crap out of ourselves. Well, we, you know, there's a group of us, we would one time, you know, we ran to Malibu, which is like 27 miles um, to have brunch. Yeah. And then we got a limo back home. <laughs> I think a lot of people that do that, like even the Charleston area, you see like people at the base of the bridge or people at Mazo and they'll yeah. go run down the bridge or whatever and come back. And, you know, we can get into some, some more, but like you said something that I think we should emphasize is that you felt very sick and weak. And like, it wasn't, you know, maybe the best fit, fit for somebody who's trying to be healthier Right. Yeah. Somebody, maybe you were a good runner. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe not. You probably ran pretty well. You know, yeah. I was, I was okay. Yeah. Was okay. Did you feel truly like healthy and, and fit? And I know this is going to segue into stuff. So, well, so, you know, so first of all, to all the runners out there, we love I, you. We I get, it. get it. So, yeah. so the head, so I will say there are two things that were awesome about running. First thing was 
the headspace of just being having that much time with your thoughts, right? Um, and then the time you spend with your training partners. I had a few a few good friends that I ran with, a few men and a few women friends, and and you know you can go deep when you're on a four hour run. Yeah, you know you can really talk about some stuff, and and you know you get to know the city you're in or the, the you know the countryside you're in if you're out in the country, and so that part of it was great. The abuse on the body was really rough. And that's when I first seriously injured myself. I was running, um, I was running a half marathon on Catalina Island and I was, so there's this category for Catalina wine mixers instantly. (laughs) It's called the Buffalo run. Actually, there are literally Buffalo on Catalina. That sounds awesome. And there's a half marathon, a half marathon there. That's like the national championship for, for, um, for what they call Clydesdale runners. Basically it's an, it's your excuse to be slow. If you're, is you're over 200 pounds. Okay. Right. So Clydesdale's is over 200 pound category that they have for a lot of triathlons and a lot of running races. And so, um, so I, I finished second in the, in the, um, the Buffalo run that year. And it's, it's basically four miles of hill climbing. Um, and then, sorry, nine miles of hill climbing, it's a half marathon, and then four miles straight down. Ooh. And so you're running these fire roads straight down, just sprinting all out. There's this guy who I would love to find him and ask him if he really actually was over 200 pounds at that race, because yeah. that mf probably wasn't. Questionable at best. Right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm chasing this guy down, and, and I've made a sharp turn at the Buffalo Run, and I, at the time I didn't realize it, um, but I completely ruptured two discs and I mean like rupture, ruptured two yeah. discs. I remember going, I remember walking out into the, into the ocean uh, before I caught the ferry back to LA and it, and the water out there is like, you know, like 50 degrees. And I was, so good. yeah. And I wish it was colder. <laughs> yeah. And then went to like a, you know, a, our friends had a party and there's a jump castle, which is a big thing in LA. I think I'm sure it's a big thing here too. And immediately, you know, got in the jump castle and jumped around like an idiot. Um, but that's when I had my first back surgery um, was after that race. And, um, you know, and then I just had to kind of rethink everything. Yeah. So, I mean, so let's, let's, let's divulge on that a little bit more. So like you're a runner and, and I had the same thing. Like I completely agree. Like I ran a marathon, I did multiple halves. There's really like after a CrossFit workout, I've got pretty good headspace, but I'm also in a lot of pain. And then like a 10 mile run, you're in some pain, <laughs> but it kind of mediates. And like, you just get like, yeah, there's something about running that mentally just lets you really free. And like the same thing. It's funny. All, all runners can unite on that. Like when I went to a new city, I would go run five or six miles and I would explore the new city. Oh yeah. It was like the best part of going to a new city. It was yeah. like really fun. Um, yeah. And so those are two things. And we're not saying that running is inherently bad, right? We're just saying that maybe... Just, running the way I did right, with just horrible running. running form yeah, and, and doing ridiculous volume yeah. and not really um, recovering very well or being smart about it. So, you know, it, I, I would be, I was a serial bronchitis patient. So when I was, when I was doing endurance and I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who are smarter than I was, but I, I would literally train, you know, through the winter and I would get bronchitis every year, pretty much, and usually in the winter. Yeah, you probably just thought, hey, that's just like a lot of people do. That's just a part of running, right? Like, I'm yeah. just going to get this every year, and that's fine, and I'll train a little less, and then I'll ramp back up. And you didn't even know, perhaps, that there was ways to prevent that or maybe not even, you know, train well, you know, less and, yeah. you know, work less, but also continue to reach your goals. Oxidative stress is a real thing. I saw um, – I don't know if you, if you guys are endurance athletes, they're probably the greatest female triathlete of all time is this woman named Paula Newby Frazier. Okay. And she is, she is just the toughest, tough as nails. Uh, I saw her in person once and she looked like a chewed up piece of chewing gum. And she, I mean, she looked like, you know, she looked like a little wrinkled, you know, 60 something year old lady. And she, I think she was in her thirties at the time, still at the top of the sport. And I was just like, wow, if, if the best female triathlete in the world looks that bad, mm-hmm. why am I doing this? You know, um, we say this to a lot of people too, and, and nothing against runners, but like, look at the top level athletes of your sport of choice or your training modality of choice. And if you 
want to look like that person to keep training that way. But if you don't, you know what I mean? Like if I want to look like a CrossFitter, I'm going to look like Frazier or Froning. Like that's the body type I want, right? Sure. Or look an endurance athlete or look at a sprinter versus an endurance athlete, right? Like if you want that body yeah. type, continue to do that. Like that's a lot of people don't even think about that. Like, you know, they're training for weight loss or, you know, training to get stronger and just like, it's, it's just interesting what people will put in their heads. The elite, the elite CrossFitter body, I'm not really interested in that either. I'd like to be somewhere leaner than that um, just because to maintain that kind of muscle mass, just you have to just – it has to be your second job just to shovel food down your face. Right. Um, and we're not saying that like on that level, but like, yeah. hey, does that a, a body type that I'm comfortable with? Do I want to be more muscular or a little bit leaner or – you know what I mean? Like, yeah, a marathon runner, what do they look like? Yeah. They don't have a lot of muscle in their body. They look like a twig you could snap over your knee. Right. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> and, and when you're, you know, and when you're an ex-football player anyway, you know, um, even at a not very known for football program like the Mighty Mighty Sage Hens of Pomona College, um, you know, it's like, why am I trying to be a runner? I'm never, I'm, I'm never going to be an elite runner. I'm, I'm a big person anyways. Yeah. You know, I, I played football at, you know, six, three and something and 230 ish pounds. And I'm pretty much right at that same number right now, maybe a little bit lighter than that. Um, but if, if I don't, if I don't have any muscle mass, I look terrible. Right. I feel terrible. Right. And we'll dig into more of like what healthy means kind of to you. And, you know, it's honestly, it's any elite sport. Let's just be honest to be in an elite level. You're going to have to beat yourself up. I don't care if it's football, soccer, CrossFit, whatever, there's consequences to those actions. Right. And so that's a lot what we talk about here in the podcast is like, all right, how do I maintain being healthy and like look a certain way, but not have all that, like, you're not doing it. You're not getting paid to run. Yeah. You're getting paid to CrossFit. Like don't beat yourself up like that. There's alternatives to doing all that. Right. So, so that, and that brings up to this idea. So our motto at CrossFit discovery is we help people be happy, healthy, and fit. Um, and you know, in CrossFit, they try sometimes in coach Glassman is a genius that Greg Glassman, the guy that invented CrossFit, he would generally put, he would put everything under the definition of fitness and say that health is a component, a measurable in the spectrum of fitness. And I actually like to separate the two because just like what Eve was saying about, about, you know, if you're trying to perform at the highest level of whatever sport you're putting performance um, in the short term ahead of maybe your long-term health outcome. Definitely. So if, if that's the case, I think we want to separate out health and fitness because you could be really, really, really fit in terms of being able to perform and not very healthy. So if I, if I can help people be um, as fit as they can be in, you know, in a shorter term, without compromising their long-term health, in fact, enhancing their long-term health and, and helping them be super happy at the same time, then we're, then we're winning across the board. You're going to be able to reach very good level of fitness, right. but you're not, you know, wrecking your knees. You're not going to destroy yourself with oxidative stress. Um, Why do you think things. that people want to do that though? You think it's just because it's like, let's call it the sexy thing to do to be able to just like run a little bit faster, you know what I mean? Or lift a little bit more weight. Like it's really, it's what we talk about. I made to move a lot is like, I, you know what I care about? I want you to be just as mobile and healthy as you are now at age 35, 45, whatever it is. Yeah, sure. At 95 or 120 or whatever. And that should be the goal. And when I tell that to my patients, they look, they, they like, Oh my God, that makes so much sense. I was like, why haven't we thought about this before? Why aren't people looking at it through that <laughs> lens? You know what I mean? Because like running uh, a 5k at, you know, a six minute mile as opposed to a six and a half minute mile. Nobody cares. Not nobody cares. Right. Like let's do what's maybe a little bit healthier for you and your body. So you can continue to do that stuff. Well, okay. Yeah. So I, I will push back a little bit in that. Um, I think a very high level of performance is available. Sure. I'm at, saying at almost every extent. age. Right. <clears throat> so where we get into trouble, this is where we get into trouble for me. It's the why. Why are they doing? That's kind of sure. Yeah. Well, the why is because we're impatient, yeah, critters, right? So we want a faster rate of change, yeah, than than a, a consistent program is going to give, right. give us. I'm going to lose a pound a week or five pounds in a week. Then 
oh man, it's all done. I got to stop going to the gym. It's all over. This doesn't work for me. Right. Right. right, That's a world we live in. It's true. You know, so, so I take a novice weightlifter and we're working this beautiful linear progression and they're, they're gaining, you know, X number of pounds to their lifts over each week over time. And, and, but, you know, but they, it's not sexy enough. So they want to throw instead of 10 pounds on the bar, they want to throw 30 pounds on the bar. And so what ends up happening is you end up banging your head on the ceiling and you, you end up, um, destroying this beautiful, mm-hmm. steady, linear progression. So, um, so in CrossFit, you know, we we pursue high intensity training, um, which so less time to do more work. And then there's another component of that 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 I think I'm probably more interested in than a lot of other CrossFit coaches is that you, you want as much time as possible. So it's less time to increase intensity, but you want as much time. Um, establishing consistency because consistency is what wins. Um, I'm trying to wins in everything. Well, but in the short, not in the short term, like if from one year to the next, I want to go from where I am now to qualifying for the CrossFit games, for example, Sure. then not only do I have to improve year over year myself in all the areas of my fitness, I have to, my rate of change has to be faster than everyone else I'm competing with because Mm -hmm. guess what? everybody in the CrossFit community, they're improving. Yeah. So not, so just improving is not enough. You have to improve faster. And that's when we take shortcuts and that's when we hurt ourselves yep. and we get worn out. So, um, so I think everybody needs to just chill out. Um, when I meet someone for the first time, I'm thinking about their training age, meaning, you know, when did they start doing a general uh, physical preparedness program? When did they start lifting? When did they start doing more intense cardio? When did they start doing any kind of gymnastics movements? And I'm thinking about, and this is borne out by what I see in the gym and by stats from multiple, you know, World Economic Forum and a bunch of other kind of, um, you know, kind of um, think tanks is that you year over year, even past someone's theoretical prime, you can make improvements over, about over a 10 year period. Right. So a 61 year old who's never done any fitness can be not only be fitter when they're 62 than they were at 61, but at 69 can be fitter than they were at 68 and be a completely different human being um, by all measures, you know, by taking a 10 year window to make those small improvements. The older you are, the rate of change slows down. Right. They're not going to be at the level of fitness, um, you know, that a a 39 year old would be if they started when they were 30. But if you think about training age as being this, this kind of 10 year process, then, then I think you're thinking about it in more, a more appropriate way. Yeah. We do the same thing. Like I'll tell people when they come in like, Hey, I got this problem. I got this injury. You know, when can I get better? I'm like, let's give it a year. Like, you know what I mean? Like go ahead. Like Sometimes it just takes that long. You know what I mean? There's different things for different injuries, but as soon as they, get that mindset in their heads, then it's a lot easier. And I just love it's reason we chose this model, like the strength and conditioning world, or even what's called the CrossFit world, let's follow those in. And then the physical therapy rehabilitation world, we have the same principles and the same problems, you know what I mean? And attack it pretty much at similar angles. In my opinion, I'm sure there's some people sure. that will differ from me, but it's like the consistency is the key, right? And then coming in and just like movement based, like, there's nothing, there's nothing better. Yeah. Right? You know? And I love that 10 year mark. Like, I think that if, if I had somebody who worked with me every day for 10 years, he would be a, he or she would be a completely oh my different gosh. person. Right. Like, do you, like, you just get so excited about thinking about someone consistently working out for 10 years and it seems so rare. Yeah. You know what I mean? To find somebody who's willing to put in that work and that time and that money and that consistency, you know, and there can be ups and downs. They can take a week off, they can take a month off, but if they just, consistently trained X number of days every year for 10 years, you get a before and after. And there's like, there's no doubt in your mind that yeah. that would be a significant change in every modality, every part of the oh. class. And, yeah. I, and I would say, and I would say it's not even, I mean, so this, I think that in, as a gym owner, who's been um, in, you know, in business as long as I have, um, having done completely different work, mostly most of my life before CrossFit, but just, just to think about, the idea that I probably, you know, when we early on, 
we probably burned it too hard on with people. You know, it was like, wow, you know, I really want people to come in five or six days a week, you know, hoping they were going to, you know, get four hard workouts in mm-hmm. maybe five, you know, and then, and it was, and it, it was probably, obviously you, you want to keep improving in everything you do. And I think we handle, we handle that sustainability piece much better now, but helping people find, um, you know, to enjoy the, the experience, make it fun in the gym, but that you're training for a much bigger purpose, which is to actually be able to much more fully enjoy your life yep. and do the things that are important to you and find outside the gym goals, be motivated by those things instead of, you know, like your squat number or how many pull-ups you can yeah. do or whatever. Another Robertism is like, we're not doing CrossFit to be better at CrossFit. We're doing CrossFit so we can be better at all the other stuff that we do outside the gym, basically. Totally. Yeah. Right. Because, because if all the only thing you get satisfaction out of is just being super awesome at CrossFit, I hate to be the one to break it to you. That's really sad. It's <laughs> super sad. Right. It's interesting to hear that from a CrossFit coach though, right? Like it's really, you know what I mean? But it, yeah, I mean, obviously I agree, right? Like that longevity mindset, that, long, that line of thinking. And something that just, I like what you said is like sustainability. Like most people think of their workout volume one week at a time. Do you know what I mean? Nobody thinks yeah. about it as a month. Or what did I do? What's my workload over the past year look like? Yeah. Like nobody thinks about that, but that's training maybe four days a week instead of five or six or like having somewhere you train five or someone you train three. If you did that consistently, again, consistently over a one year, two, three, three year period, you would be so much better off than if you just got one or two extra workouts in. Like most people yeah. who are not training professionally, that makes way more sense. And People would probably listen to this like, what? No, I don't want to take an extra day off. There's or a- super long or a, the super long killer workout. Yeah. It's like there's, you know what, this is, I mean, no offense to anybody out there, but but I'm just going to go ahead and be offensive. Any idiot can murder your body. Any idiot can make you sweat and puke and super sore. And that's not the, that's, that's not, that doesn't tell you anything. Like we, we measure our, we're going to measure your health by what you weigh dumb you're going to measure your workout by are you sore afterwards no you measure by am i improving am i making consistent improvement over time so maybe it's because i'm old i'm almost 50 but i'm interested in the lowest effective dose what is the minimum amount of work we can do with great mechanics at high intensity and get a desired result of improved performance and you're still going to be sore sometimes and you might feel like you're going to puke sometimes, but that's not the goal. The goal is improvement. And so, um, so, you know, what the, the analogy I like to use for that is intensity trumps volume. So giant amounts of training volume, just because it looks like an awesome workout. Um, again, it's just going to be hard to recover. So if you, if you don't recover by the time you come in for your next training session, then your, your improvement over time slows down. Rest or, more, but increase the intensity when you're doing the actual workout. Absolutely true. Right? Yeah. So if you imagine, okay, so this is my analogy that I've been working on. So if you bring a pitcher of water into the gym every day and, and one day you have a 30 minute, you know, running gymnastics workout. And one day you have a five minute weightlifting workout. That's just super intense. Whatever the workout is, you want to pour that pitcher of water out over five minutes or 30 minutes and you want that thing dumped out empty at the end right so if you can think about so over the course of a five minute workout or i'm just i'm just pouring i'm just going to pour that thing out i don't just want to to just blow it i don't want to pour it out and have the pitcher empty at four minutes i want it to to last over the full five minutes so maybe i'm going to sandbag a little and save some of my effort but then the last minute i just dump out everything that's in the tank. Well, if your if your workouts are structured properly, you should be able to do that. So you're, you're trying to maintain as high of in- intensity as you can with good mechanics. And then when you feel like, you know, the, um, you know, you feel like the, the home base is in sight, then you just go for it and you just make up the difference. Um, so that way you don't have to train at a super high training volume, but you're still putting every bit of effort into 
each kind of workout uh, every day, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, train, you know, if we could, we could wrap that up in a bow, train smarter, not harder. Just like when people talk about working on a business, you know, let's work smarter, not just harder, right? You can be busy all day. If you're not doing things that are effectively helping your business, then what are you doing? The same sure. thing can be said about training. Of course, I can do a bunch of volume and my body, my body be physically capable of doing that. But does that make sense? if I really want to get fitter and I really want to get healthier, does that make sense to do that? And well, and you're speaking as someone who actually could probably program for themselves pretty darn well. Whereas um, most people out there, all, all you folks in Charleston, I love you. God bless you. I have an accountant. I have a doctor. I have a lawyer. I have a physical therapist. He's sitting right here. Yes. Guess what? I hand things off to people that know more than I do. So like if you're, if you're going into the gym wondering what, what you should be doing every day, oh, how much of this you should be doing, or I'm going to do this it movement. Reading in Men's Health Magazine. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to try this um, shirt ripping, shredding workout <laughs> of, the, of the week, you know? You can, you can do that. I mean, I could do my own taxes if I wanted to devote a ton of my energy to trying to figure out the tax code and everything and trying to be somewhat organized. But more more um, beneficial in my opinion is to just hand that stuff over to my awesome accountant. So if you can find a coach who's interested in your long-term development, who's, who's obsessed with finding the right training volume for their clients and who's going to watch you and make sure you're doing things right, whether that's me or, or one of the other, you know, very good coaches in this town, find them and see what that experience is like. Um, Cause doing it yourself is great and and a lot you know you know if you're knowledgeable it's better than the couch sure robertism sure it's way it's better than the couch but you may do better handing off that you know that professional task to someone who has made it their profession yeah i mean it may let's be honest it your life depends on it sometimes there's certain people who will not need that accountability and literally won't, won't eat healthier will not work out if they don't have somebody who's an accountability coach or somebody who's truly invested in So like, I think it's super powerful to think about, like, cause I always think about how do you qualify people? How do I find the right people, right? How do I find the right accountant or the right marketing companies that yeah. we talk about all the time? And like, that's a really good way to qualify it is like, is this person just as emotionally invested as I am? You know what I mean? And talks to me about how am I going to feel at 95? Are they talking to me about how, how I feel after a workout? Are they talking about what's my other, like what's my volume out through the week? Or are they concerned about <clears throat> how much I sweat at the end of the day or how much did I squat that? You know what I mean? Like you probably want to find somebody else, you know what I mean? To coach sure. if they're asking those right types of questions. And that's super yeah. powerful information in my opinion. And then I'll even go, I'll even go a step further and I'll say, and I can say this without any reservation, I obsess about training volume and I obsess about program and I obsess about helping people move better, but we don't talk about that stuff that much. If you come into my gym, because guess what? We've, we've have a relationship and I know my people over time. I'm way more interested in, you know, how their kids are or their dog or their job or what their vacation is. They're, they're plan, you know, planning, got a guy who's, injured his foot and he's got this trip to Italy planned and he wants to, you know, go up and down the steps in the Amal Amalfi coast. And it's like, I want to, I want to help this guy enjoy his vacation. Mm -hmm. Like we've got, you know, that's, that's way more important to me than how much he squatted today. Right. Right. Finding people like that in your corner, A, you should find those people and B, you should find the right kind of people for sure. Man, we digressed. I knew we were going to do it. We're not going to stay, but that's the kind of stuff that I love. Honestly, that I love, um, I love talking about. So, um, so you've got, we'll, we'll circle back. You got the strength and conditioning coach, you've got the running, you've got, we'll call it the CrossFit journey. Like who were some of your like biggest influencers? We've got Glassman, we got a strength issue coach, but those are the only two. Is there anybody else that like really, like when I think about fitness and training and health, is there anybody else that you kind of like? Well, I mean, answer? you know, for, well, coach, I mean, I have to, I have to tip my hat to coach Glassman just as as being so far ahead of the curve, you know, people that you just, we, we take it for granted now that people should cross train and they should do, you know, weightlifting of various types and they should do gymnastics and they should do, you know, quote unquote cardio and they should mix those things together in intervals. And he was, he was way, way, 
way ahead. It seems so simple in hindsight. Yeah. Like, why would nobody put that together? Like, man, I'm just going to go do some pull-ups. I'm going to go do some burpees. I'm going to go run. And, like, it's just going to, you know, yeah. obviously do it in an intelligent way. And that's what most people don't understand that. We're just throwing crap together out of a, you know, lopper, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, it's such a cool way to train. You know what I mean? We were doing, I mean, so we were doing it. I, I trained at the Hollywood YMCA for years. And so I was doing, you know, even though I was doing all the endurance stuff, I, I was lifting weights and I was doing some boxing training and I was, and we would climb ropes and we did stuff like that. So, you know, um, and I actually was mildly aware of CrossFit at that time, but, you know, thought it was dumb. And, <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, pe- a lot of people have been doing that old school training for a long time. They've yeah, been, been pockets of it. Stuff Mike great. Rutherford in Kansas oh, city. And, you know, there's all these, there's all these people in strongman training and all that stuff. But Coach Glassman was the first one to actually be like, you know what? I'm going to sit down. I'm going to write this thing called the CrossFit Journal, and I'm going to, I'm going to organize my thoughts in a, in a, you know, a cogent way. And so free to the public, right? Yeah, you super know? smart. Yeah, his uh, his business model and the way he's done things is really, really cool to see. You know, and how yeah. he's, you know, there are they. They're not a fitness company, right? They're essentially like a branding. They're a me- media company. Yeah, they're a media company that like has changed. Whether you like CrossFit or not has changed the way we look at health and fitness, just the bottom line. Like the, the, the one person I would say that um, I also looked up to, and it was, you know, only because we saw a few grainy videos of it was, you know, the original, the godfather, Jack LaLanne. He was promoting we you know we train lots of of men and women it's probably about a 50 50 split at our gym but you know you think of the fitness industry at least as a man and you think of weightlifting and you think that's kind of like gender you know gender stereotype that's like a guy thing um watching women and i and i also have three daughters watching women um become strong is one of the most awesome things and jack lalane um with his tv show you know in the 50s was the one of the first people to even mm-hmm. introduce the idea of strength training for women and for men and then you know the way he led by example his if you ever have a chance to look at any of his old tv shows he, he had some of the the most just amazing takes on on happiness and smiling and sugar and, you know, name the subject. He was a visionary too. He didn't really put it into a a cogent program, but he, um, but as an example of what, you know, fitness in the modern age could be, because, you know, we don't, we don't have to be physical. It's, it's a, it's, it's almost like we were talking about adversity. You almost have to manufacture your own adversity. You almost have to manufacture menial and uh, manual tasks for yourself to do because we could talk about it all day. We don't have to throw hay bales and dig ditches, right? All of our basic needs are pretty much met on a daily basis. We're not trying to fight that. And what I think is super interesting about that, again, a whole podcast can be done on that, but like we're still fighting those stereotypes now. Like I get the question all the time. Like if I do CrossFit, if I lift weights, am I going to get bulky as a woman? And it's really cool to see. There's obviously, like you said, a lot of women here and they're not bulky they they're super confident they're lifting and squatting a bunch of weight you know what i mean and like enjoy it and like i feel that transformation is both like mental physical emotional whatever on multiple levels and it's just interesting to see that that, like it's definitely changing but it's still that like you know should i be doing this should i not be even with kids and strength and conditioning that's changing now you know when i was a kid i thought if i lifted weights or drank coffee that i would get a uh you know but I would stop my growth. Like who came up with that? That's totally false. The growth so- plate, the growth plate thing. Yeah. It's like, should my kids be lifting weights? Okay. Just in case you're not paying attention, the whole idea that you can damage your growth plate lifting weight, lifting weights in a supervised program is a myth. It's hundred yeah. percent a myth. Yeah. Well, I will tell you what happens with women. If women are, if women really want to know what happens when they start doing CrossFit across the board, and we measure, so I know this is true, waist measurement goes down. It's incredible. If you get someone who starts doing a general uh, training program like CrossFit, like we do, and they and they just start to improve their, their nutrition a little bit, their waist just like shrinks. It's, it's um, 
it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. No, we won't, we won't go down there. We'll we'll keep going because it's almost we're almost at an hour. Oh, and so what? We, we haven't even like tip of the iceberg. We'll probably have to do a second one. Um, <laughs> um, so I'm gonna pick and choose some good ones here. Um, give me your because I'm gonna ask this to everybody. What's your definition of health? Like, what makes a healthy person? Like, if I say this is Robert Van Newkirk's definition of healthy. Okay. What is it? So. Um, no, in I can few sentences. Yeah, yeah. I know. I yeah. listen. I'm ready for this one. Okay. All right. So, so we, um, so we're we we're all about being happy, healthy, and fit. And the health component, um, I would define it as you are immune to chronic disease. So all of the things you hear about on TV every day, diabetes, heart disease, um, hypertension, those are things you will never get if you are training with us and following you mean, you our advice. Are immune to those? Hell so yeah. Really immune. Immune. Literally immune. Immune. How many people who listen to this probably think that's not true? You know what I mean? Like, Come see me. Let's that's talk. Right. Literally, you can be immune to those things. And let's be honest, all those things have been increasing the past 10 years. Right. Despite, despite all the advances in medical technology, those things have increased. So do you think the good idea is to go and maybe – Go seek it from somebody <laughs> like us or um, somebody who's thinking about fitness and health in a different way or go back and go, you know, maybe take more pills or have this surgery. That may not be the right answer for you. It might be the right answer for some people. I just need people to really be open to that idea that it's not, that's not the only path. So, so let, path. yeah, so, so I am a giant fan of of American doctors as, as term in terms of being technicians. I mean, I have a lot of friends who are physicians. My dad's a physician. Save my life. Make sure I have sure. eyesight. Like all those yeah. things. Yeah. The, the thing, the thing that we're so good at, it's treating the not, the not chronic things. So 70% literally, and you can look this up, 70% of the causes of premature death in the United States are from um, chronic disease. And there's a lot of people who are of normal weight. It's not just being obese. There are lots of people of normal weight. Yeah, just like the runner, you said, like you bronchitis and felt really unhealthy. Yeah. Right. So there's a whole bunch of people who are of normal weight who 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 are are suffering from chronic disease, whether they know it or not. Um, so what I what I like to suggest is let's let's completely take those seventy percent of causes of premature death off the table by you know actually eating some non-processed food, eating some vegetables, eating some, some um, well-sourced pasture-raised proteins and getting lots of healthy fats um, and then working out, doing some strength training and doing some gymnastics and doing some cardio uh, a few days a week and trying to get a lot of sleep and trying to, you know, try to stay on a kind of a more natural kind of diurnal schedule. We could talk about that in another podcast, but if, if I'm, if I'm going to, if I'm going to define health as being immune to chronic disease, then then that 30% of the other causes of, of premature death, I'm well, I'm certainly willing to take my chances with those. You know, bad shit can happen to anybody. We could all get a you know a dread disease in a car wreck. Sure, yeah, yeah. right, that can happen. But I'm I'm willing to accept that, and I'm also willing to to argue that you know, God forbid, something really really horrible, dread, incurable thing happens. Um, if you are, by my definition, healthy, you're going to be much more likely to survive or recover from something bad that falls into that other 30%, right? And um, and if you, you know, you're going to be resistant to, to lots of illnesses, your immune system is going to be stronger. And then if you are injured, you're going to, you are going to recover quicker and then, you know, we'll talk about this whole idea of compressed morbidity. Maybe that's another topic, but I want to perform as, as high a level as I can for as long as I can. And then to have that, like, you know, that race to the bottom when I'm, you know, 85, 90, 95 years old, where maybe I'm infirm and can't do much. It's going to be six months or three months or a year, not 15 years yeah. of or you, you know, you, you're, you're alive and mobile and well, and you hopefully at some point die happily in your sleep after that you just hiked, you know, the Amalfi Coast yeah. like that evening, yeah. right? That is easily a very sustainable goal for every single human being out there, barring 
some sort of other genetic or you know abnormalities that happen the, the kind of 20 percent that you were talking about what i'm going to do is when when i know the end is close i told my wife i'm like hey, listen you're just gonna you're just gonna put me in a kayak and you're gonna point me towards bermuda and i'll just start paddling and peace out see i'll see you later <laughs> <laughs> that's ballsy i like it all right let's um we're gonna do again these will be more like uh spitfire just okay quick quick answers all right. what are you the best at so your number one thing. What do you like? If you had to pick one thing, like Robert is really all your friends say Robert's really good at X. It's tough to think about. I was really wow. bad at this too. What are you the best at? I'm I'm good at I'm I'm good in um I'm good in a crisis. I'm good, good in a crisis. crisis. You stay calm, collected. You yeah. figure it out. You're not going to freak out. That's definitely yeah. definitely true about you. What do you suck at? Everybody knows this. It's funny. Everyone knows what they suck at. Nobody knows yeah. what they're best at. Um. Any kind of organization, uh, rule following. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Two things. Got it. We're good. That's all, all we right. Um, we already kind of said uh, the, who's the most influential person, and you kind of picked those those couple. That was a those were class one was a good one. Um, how do you maintain your own health and fitness? Oh my gosh, I am so much better at it now. Um, like what what training would you do? And I'll get into this. Okay, so I do I do CrossFit. I do CrossFit. And I do jujitsu and I try to, um, to work out maximum two days in a row. Okay. And third days can be active rest. Um, I, I try to keep as, as good, of uh, sleep hygiene as I can, as, as regular a, a bedtime, um, as I can. So I'm getting enough sleep and big I, one. very yeah. underutilized. Oh yeah. Yep. And I start the day with water. I eat um, a lot of pasture-raised proteins from Watson Farms. They make deliveries to our well, gym. We will, we will put hey, hey. in the show notes for sure. Great meat there. And, you know, local fresh vegetables. I And I avoid sugar like the plague. Um, As we all should. I don't drink, but it's not really because I have anything against drinking. It's just that my judgment is really 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 bad yeah so already why would you add you know, yeah why would you decrease your inhibitions anymore <laughs> already decreased um okay what's the number one thing the public should do to maintain their own health and fitness the number if they had to pick one thing to do like i have to focus on my sleep on my eating on my working out whatever if you had to pick one thing what would one thing one thing this would one. change this would change the course of american history right here oh here we go don't, here first don't drink sugary shit so just drink non water, water black tea iced tea with okay. no sugar black coffee right no sugary coffee drinks no fruit juice no sweet tea no soda no sugary alcohol drinks oh, I love them. no no monster red bull energy drinks <laughs> none of that crap if you're gonna if you're gonna have something sweet as a treat eat it and make sure it's something you really enjoy don't drink it it's the worst okay. absolute worst thing you can do for your health all right here's some fun ones and we're going to next time we said we would talk about you know Polly Shore and mystical and your movie <laughs> career and Jeopardy. It's going to have to wait, but next time. So here's the fun ones. If, uh, what's your walkout song? Oh, walkout song. Yeah. Like you walk oh. out on stage or like you enter a room. Like what would you want your walkout song oh, to be? I think it'd have to be Dixie chicken by little feet. Of course. What? I don't even know that song. <laughs> Dixie chicken by little feet. Okay. I'll, I'll do that later. Um, favorite cartoon. Favorite cartoon. Cartoon. Not TV show, not movie. What's your favorite cartoon? Oh, that's a good one. You know, you could be as a kid or like yeah. I watch cartoons now. So you know. yeah, I mean, it it probably would have to be. You can't beat the Flintstones. <laughs> I mean, come on. Who is your favorite character on the Flintstones? Fred Flintstone. Fred Flintstone. He's a guy. He's just a lovable buffoon. Yeah, yeah. You're like a big caveman. I, can see that. <laughs> I mean that in a loving way. Um, uh, worst car you ever owned. Well, it was the best car I ever owned, but it was, yeah. I had a, I had a 1971 Ford Econoline, uh, 15 passenger van. It was a convert, it converted, um, school bus. So it was bright yellow without the black stripes on it. This was your car you take from like to and from work. It, no, it was my car. It was one of the cars I drove in high school, the yellow van. It was, okay. it was, a 
my my parents had a a business um let's just say it was a business that the van was something we got out of the business maybe one of the only good things we got out of that business okay and um that was the party wagon the yellow the yellow van i actually got it up to 100 miles an hour one time on a really long downhill coming down from the scotts bluff airport towards town so yeah so yeah there goes the rule following again <laughs> Rule following. Uh, okay, here's here's my <laughs> fair one that I wanted to ask you is if you weren't a CrossFit coach, what would you be? Like if you weren't in the health and fitness world, you can't be anything in the health and fitness world. Yeah. Right? Like if you weren't a CrossFit coach, what would you be? I mean, I, I'd like to do something where um, it would be – I would probably just go back to something creative, something, you know, maybe back in – in some kind of creative enterprise like the film business. Okay. Um. What's up, everybody? Eve here. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Healthy Charleston Podcast. If you did, we would love for you to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. And please leave us any comments. We're always looking to improve or recommend a guest. Yes, we take recommendations. Also, if you want to learn a little bit more about us, and our health and human performance clinic where we do physical therapy and performance training please go check out made to move pt.com again that's made the number two move pt.com thanks so much talk to you soon